And if you want the blessing of God on your life, and if you want the blessing of God in your life, and if you want the blessing of God flowing through your life, you must build your life on three things. These must be foundational. You must build your life on integrity. You must say, I'm going to be a man or I'm going to be a woman of integrity. Wholeness, honesty, truth, virtue. I'm going to be and live and speak and make decisions and follow through with integrity. And if you want the blessings of God in, on, and flowing through you, you've got to build your life on the foundation of humility. Let someone else sing your praises. Don't sing your own praises. Don't get too caught up in how great you are. Stay caught up in how great your God is. Amen. Humble yourself and the hand of God will exalt you. But God says if you will puff yourself up, the hand of God will help abase you. So let God's hand be lifting you because you choose humility and just be humble before the Lord and mankind. And then the third thing you've got to build your life on if you're going to have the blessing of God in you, on you, and flowing through you is generosity. Generosity. A couple of weeks ago we started this series on generosity. We're going to pick up today and we're going to look at the power of generosity. Because these three things, integrity, humility, and generosity, they are the great antidotes to the three great temptations that the enemy brings against you. There are three great traps that the enemy is trying to catch you, snare you, and destroy you, and cause you to fail in life. But God has given us integrity, He has given us humility, and He has given us generosity by which will be an antidote and keep us from failing and falling into the traps of the enemy. Let us focus this morning on generosity as we continue this series and look today at the power of generosity. Now, as we look in the Bible together and study it, we will find that there are over 7,000 promises that God has made to us. Now that's amazing. Over 7,000 promises. And what does the Bible say? All of the promises of God are what? Yes. Yea or yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So there's 7,000 promises, 7,000 blank checks that God has given us and He says, if you will do this, I will do that. If you will do this, I will do that. Because with every promise, there's a premise or a condition. And He's given you promises of success. He's given us promises of satisfaction. He's given us promises of fulfillment. He's given us promises of blessing. He's given us over 7,000. Can you imagine how long a sermon would be preaching on the 7,000 promises of God? We would have to bring our sleeping bags to be able to handle that one. But we're not going to look at all of those today. But we're going to look at some. Because we get, uh, as God has set up these promises, they have premises or conditions by which we get to participate by faith in appropriating the promises of God in our life. Now when the Bible talks about generosity, it is not limited to only money. When God talks about generosity and the promises He makes for generosity, He's talking about your time, He's talking about your treasures, He's talking about your talents. He's talking about your energy. He's talking about your praise. It's becoming an unselfish person is what it's talking about. So let's look today at, and, and, and delve into what is generosity. And why is God so interested in us learning to become generous? 
Well, the answer to that is generosity is love in action. Generosity is love in action. See, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Love gives. God so loved the world that He what? He gave. Because God is love, He gives. Hallelujah. So if I'm not a generous person, then I'm really not a loving person. No matter how much I tell myself I am, the proof is in the pudding, if I could say it that way. Love is about giving. Lust is about getting. And we must differentiate between what love is and what lust is. I remember one time I had this young couple come to me and they said, uh, we want you uh, to meet with us, Pastor. We, we want to get married. We want to get married this week. And I said, okay, uh, uh, let's meet. And we got together and, uh, and I was able to just work them right in. And I said, okay, when did you guys meet? Well, we met yesterday. <laughs> I said, oh, let's put some brakes on this thing. And uh, we need to spend a little time. Oh, we're in love. I said, you might be caught up in a little lust right now. But let's work on the love and let's see if that's really the case. And uh, Because a lot of people think what is love is lust, but lust is all about getting and love is all about giving. If you do a word study, which I love to do word studies of the Bible, and as you study key words in the Bible, you will find, let's say you study the word believe. Now, do you think believe is an important word in the Bible? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, what? Believes in Him should not perish. You don't have to go to hell. But you can have everlasting life. You can go to heaven if you believe. So believes is an important key word, wouldn't you say? You know it's 272 times it's used in the Bible in one form or another, believe. Sounds like it's an important word, right? 272 times God has given us the word believe in the Bible. Do you believe the word pray is important to God and to us and in the Bible? Well, if you'll do a word study on the word pray, you will find it 371 times the word pray or a form of prayer is used in the Bible. How about the word love? Do you think that's an important word to God? Love. God is love. I think it's an important word, wouldn't you say? Well, you look in the Bible, 714 times the word love is used in the Bible. Now, with all of that, listen to this. Do you think the word give is important to God? Do you think the word give is important in the Bible? That key word is mentioned or given to us over 2,152 times. Now, love is 714, and prayer is 371, and believe is 272, but God chose in writing this book to us to put give, or this uh, a topic of generosity, 2,000 152 times. Wow. Well, we're preaching on generosity, so I'm going to preach those 2,152 verses to you today. No, I'm going to give you a break, okay? I'm going to give you a break and give you a condensed version of this that God has given to us. And the reason I believe God uses it over 2,100 times is because God is love. And you cannot love without being a giver. 
It's who he is. It's his nature. Everything good that you have in your life is a gift from God. Did you know that? Everything that is good that's in your life is a gift from God. If God were not generous, you wouldn't have air to breathe right now. If God were not generous, there wouldn't be a sun shining. There would be no life. You wouldn't have a mind to think. You wouldn't have strength to work. You wouldn't have the ability to earn. All of those things are a gift from God. Amen? And God wants us to be like Him. In the beginning, He created us in His image. Sin came in and tried to mar us or change us or deform us from the image of God. But Jesus came that we could be born again and we could have our minds renewed and we could have a metamorphosis and we can change back into the image of God being a reflection of Him on earth like the moon reflects the sun in the heavens. And God is a good God. So we're going to look at the power of generosity. And we're not going to do 2,172 points today. We're going to give you the condensed version. So let's look at number one, the power of generosity. First, generosity honors God. Generosity honors God. 2 Corinthians says in verse nine, chapter 9, verse 13, while through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God. How? How are they glorifying God? For the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ. So your confession to Christ, you serve in Jesus and you unashamedly sharing the love of Jesus with others brings glory to God. But he says something in the same verse brings as much glory to God as our confession of Jesus Christ and that is your generosity or liberal sharing with them and all men. The spirit of generosity brings glory to God. It honors God. He tells us in Proverbs uh, 14 and 31, he who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker, but he who honors God has mercy on the needy. See, giving is an act of worship. Man didn't make that up. That is God. God is telling us when we give, it is an act of worship. So when we give, we should give as unto the Lord. Amen? Second thing, generosity draws us closer to God. Did you know that? And the reason being is because whatever you invest your time and whatever you invest your, your money in shows what is important to you. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I love every year, as Pastor Radika was making mention of that divine audit, uh, we go through our checkbook and we go through and make sure that, that, that there hasn't been increase, that we somehow or another were busy and, and overlooked. Uh, the blessings of God is coming from so many directions over the years. It gets to be more and more of a great challenge to make sure that we're honoring God with everything that's coming in from the many streams that they come in. And it blesses my heart that there are more transactions that are written for the work of God than there are for anything else in our life. And every time I see that, I rejoice and I praise God because it, it reminds me, yes, God is priority. We do worship Him with our giving and we know that all good and perfect gifts come from Him and we are honoring Him in our giving. I tell you today, when we give, we draw closer to God because where your treasure is, is where your heart is. And those transactions just remind me of what I already know, that I know without Jesus, I would have already died 
and I'd have split hell wide open. But the hand of God rescued me. And my life is to be lived for Him. My life is to bring glory and honor to Him. My life is to tell wonderful people like you of the good news that we have in Jesus Christ who has come to be our Lord and our Savior if we will place our faith in Him. Generosity draws us closer to God. Third, generosity makes us more like Jesus. And God wants you and me to be more like Jesus. The Bible says that we have been saved because of the generosity of Jesus. So every time you give talents and every time you give treasures and your time, you become more like Jesus. Every time you give, your heart grows bigger. Every time you give, you become more like your Lord and Savior. Proverbs 21, 6 says that the lazy man, he is the one who covets greedily all day long. But the righteous man gives and does not spare. The more godly you are, he's saying the more generous you are. And the more generous you are, the more godly you are. They work hand in hand. And Jesus said in Luke eleven forty one. 41, but now as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor and everything will be clean for you. Praise God that it opens up the, the, the washing of the uh, sanctifying work of the Word of God and the Spirit of God flowing through us when we're generous. When God gets stuff to us and through us, there's a cleansing, there's a, a righteousness that God brings in us and makes us more like Jesus. I hear the story of a dad one day, he, was, uh, he had babysitting duty, but it really wasn't babysitting. The child was walking and, and talking and but he's still a little fella, and dad says, okay, uh, mom's going to be home in just a little bit, and we need to clean up everything, so I need you to pick everything up, and, and the kid didn't want to pick things up, and he says, well, i tell you what, if you go ahead and put, put all your toys in the toy box, I'll take you, and I'll get you one of your favorite treats. I'll get you some McDonald's french fries, and the little boy, he loved McDonald's french fries, so he got really busy about now, y'all are looking at this. Don't get hungry on me, okay? And uh, he, he, he's just busy getting all the toys and throwing them in the box. He said, Daddy, Daddy, uh, uh, French fries, French fries. So he takes him, puts him in the car seat, and he drives to the local McDonald's and goes through the drive-thru. And uh, he gets his little boy some fries, and he sets them back there in his car seat, and he's driving. And when he gets to the first red light after leaving McDonald's, and he's just sitting there at the red light, he's smelling those French fries. And he said, you know what? I didn't get me any. So he reaches back and he takes one, just one little fry from his boy's little bag. And the little boy says, no, dad, these are my fries. Hmm. The dad said he immediately had three thoughts. The first is, boy, I gave you those fries. I drove you to the store, little fellow. I placed the order. I paid for those fries and I gave them to you, fry, those fries. If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't even have any fries. He said, the second thought, this kid doesn't realize I could take all of his fries. He would cry, but I could take all of them if I wanted to. And the third thought he said is, he thought, he said, I really, I don't need these fries. If I wanted fries, I could have bought me all the fries that I could have ever desired to eat today. I've got plenty of money, but I really need my son to learn how to share. That's an important thing to me. So it's not that I want his fries, but he needs to learn how to share. And these are the same three reasons God gives for you and me to learn 
generosity. See, God doesn't need your talents, and God doesn't need your treasures, and God doesn't need your time. They're they're not something that he has to have. But listen, they weren't yours before you were born, and they won't be yours after you die, okay? He has loaned them to us to see how we will steward them over the life that we live. He could take them all away, or he could give us a thousand times more. He just wants us to learn to be a giver. And the reason why is because God is love, and love expresses itself in giving, and he wants us to be like him. Fourth reason that generosity has such power is generosity is the cure for this evil that is trying to take over the world. It's a spirit of materialism. Let me tell you what, it is trying to fulfill and satisfy the lust of the flesh that will continue on and on and never be satisfied and will bring you into bankruptcy. It will bring you into broken of relationships. It is an evil, evil spirit. Because the spirit of materialism is all about getting. It's that spirit of lust. Get, 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 and can all you can get. See, materialism is about inhale, inhale, inhale. But if you don't exhale and give, you're going to die. Hoarding. And the only antidote for materialism is giving. That's the antidote. You say, well, I'm not materialistic, Pastor. I don't know who you're talking to. I say, if you're not generous, you are. That, That spirit may be blinded your eyes, but if you're not generous, you are. See, every time you give, you rebuke and you resist that spirit of materialism off of your life and out of your home. Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said it this way. No one, look at somebody and say, that means you too. (laughs) That means you too. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now I love that, that God, Jesus here, uses the word mammon because Mammon was this false god of the Babylonian god that was over materialism that promised to give you what you desired but never could deliver because it was a false god. So he's talking about the spirit, not money, but the spirit that comes behind where people put their faith in money or things. See, your net worth does not determine your self-worth. You need to know that. Because daily we are bombarded by ads from a consumeristic society that says we need more, we need more, we need more. In 1 Timothy 6, 17, Paul is writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, command those who are rich. Do you see I underlined that, who are rich? Because he's talking to you. And you may say, I'm not rich. If you'll study the context and the culture of which that was written, if you had more than enough, If you had more than the meal you just ate, there's another meal or resources for that meal. You have a roof over your head. You have more than one changing of clothes. You were considered, according to this day and age, you were rich. I guarantee you, if you looked at what most of the world had to do and live with today, you here in America are rich. 
you are rich. We are blessed here. Thank God for the United States of America, which has been one of the most generous nations. Oh, it's got its problems, but one thing it has been is generous, more generous than all the nations of history that have been uh, written down without conquering and taking other people's land. Just generous. It is it's phenomenal, and I believe that's why we are blessed here today. And we say, thank you, Lord. But the command is for us who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in these, these riches because they're uncertain, but trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. See, God wants you to enjoy life. He wants you to have more than one set of clothes. He wants you to have a roof over your head. He wants you to have food in the cupboard. He wants you to be blessed. He says that you might enjoy richly all things. But he says, let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. So generosity is the cure for materialism. Number five, generosity demonstrates my faith. It is actually an opportunity for you to demonstrate your faith. The Bible says without faith. It is impossible to please God. So we can, we can walk in the pleasure of God, pleasing God, by having an opportunity to exercise our faith in our giving, in generosity. It shows that you believe that God is your source. If you've got $10 in your hand, you're not looking to that $10 as your source and that's all that you can ever have and you've got to squeeze it for everything it is. God gave that $10 to your hands and God can put 100 or 1,000 or 10,000 in there as well. That God is your source. When you live a generous life, you show that you believe that God's going to take care of you. You don't have to miser and, and hoard everything. Someone asked one time, how much did Howard Hughes leave when he died. You know, he was so wealthy. How much did he leave? Does anybody know? He left all of it. He left all of it because he didn't take one penny with him. See, it shows when you live a life of generosity that you believe in the promises of God. Again, back to 2 Corinthians 9, 13. He says, while through the proof of this ministry, the glorifying God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing or generosity with all men. God wants us to demonstrate our faith in the world that we live in by living a generous life. Do you know God challenges us? Actually, the, the, the phraseology in the Old Testament is that God dares us. Anybody in for, in for a good dare sometimes? How many of you ever done something stupid on a dare? Well, this is a dare to do something good. God dares us to trust Him. In Malachi 3 and 10, you probably all know this scripture. It says, God says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me. That, that phrase, try me now in this. He's basically saying, prove me. I dare you. I dare you. Prove me in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will be not enough room for you to receive it. This is the only place in all of the Bible you can start in Genesis and you can go all the way to the book of Revelation. This is the only place in the Bible where God says, test me in this. I dare you. I dare you. And I'll prove myself. I remember when I was studying for uh, the, my Ph.D. and 
And boy, we got into this uh, proving God, proving God. And there was the philosophical argument to prove the existence of God and the cosmological argument and the ontological argument. And then there was Thomas Aquinas' five waves to prove God with the argument from motion, the argument from causation, the argument from contingency, the argument from degree, and the argument of design. You know, don't, don't we want to do a big study on this? <laughs> All these arguments. But in the Bible... God says, I'll prove myself to you when you tithe. I'll prove myself. You don't need the philosophical. You don't need the cosmological. He says, I will prove that I, God in heaven, will manifest myself here on earth and man will know that I am real. This is proof that I am involved in your day-to-day affairs. Uh, he says, I dare you test me in this and I'll show myself true. Hallelujah you'll see the miraculous uh, end up, and it is miraculous. You'll end up with more by giving away than if you would have kept. And that, that, that mathematically doesn't make sense, but God says, I'll take what is mathematically impossible and make it possible to prove that I am alive and I am involved in the affairs of my people. Just bring the tithe, bring the 10%, bring the tithe and the offering into my storehouse, and I'll show you. Hallelujah! We can prove God. People have asked me over the years, how is it, pastor, that you've been able to accomplish so much? You are a preacher. You are a pastor. And I said, I did some interviews before I planted the church. When I was called to pastor this church, I went and interviewed some pastors and I said, how have you fed your family? Please tell me. I'm, I'm not married yet. I'm going to plant a church and I don't have any people. I don't have any support, but I've got God. I know He's calling me, but how do I do that? And some told me, well, I've worked two and three jobs and, and, you know, and I work 80 hours and then I pastor and I feel like I don't give the people what they deserve, but it's just, I've got to make ends meet. And I had others tell me, well, I, I had an inheritance and I'm living off of a trust fund and that allows me to be able to do it with the, the little that comes in. And, and then I had one that tell, told me, he says, I give. And I said, you give? And I said, I'm talking about getting to take care of your family. He says, I give. And then he began to tell me, and tears of joy just began to stream down his eyes as he began to tell me testimony after testimony after testimony how God supernaturally opened the windows of heaven and blessed this man. And he was one of the most blessed financially pastors I'd ever met. And he did it by giving. Wow. I said, I want to be like you. I want to be like you. And I tell you what, you cannot outgive God. Generosity demonstrates our faith. Another one, generosity reveals my character. It shows, uh, do I have a selfish heart or do I have an unselfish heart? Do I, uh, do I have a generous heart or do I have a stingy heart? The Bible says that God uses money to test us, to see whether he can trust us or not. Here's God. Can I trust him or can I not trust him? Let me give him some money and see how he handles that money. Jesus said, if you're faithful in the little, I'll give you much. And know what he said? So, so you, you may not realize this, but many of the rewards and the responsibilities that we have in heaven are based on how we handle resources here on earth. Wow. Luke 16 and 11, Jesus said, So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, 
Who will trust you with true riches? That's Jesus talking to us. It reveals our character. Also, the next one, generation, generosity, it brings God's blessing. Yes, it does. I say, yes, it does. I say, yes, it does. Let me tell you, I've walked it. I'm talking what a walk. Hallelujah. And I'm walking what a talk. Yes, it does. Now, there's over 2,100 verses on generosity, and I'm only going to give you three for this one, but it deserves three. Proverbs 22 and 9, the generous will themselves be blessed for they shall share their food with the poor. Deuteronomy 15 and 10, Give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all of your work and in everything you put your hand to. 2 Corinthians 9 and 7, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. My, my heart swells every time when Pastor Radica says, oh, let the ushers come. It's time to worship the Lord with our tithes and our offerings. And you guys begin to clap and, 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 and whistle and all the things that you do. That's just demonstration of this verse right here. God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will what? Just barely get by? You will just eke out an existence? No, you will abound. You will abound in every good work. Generosity brings God's blessings. And then we got number eight, generosity increases my happiness. And Lord, let me tell you, we need some happy folks in the, in the church. I'm telling you, there's enough frustration and enough madness and enough grump, grump, griping and grouchiness out there in the world. When we come around the body of Christ, we need to have a smile on our face. We need to have some joy in our heart and some happiness in our life. Hallelujah. So let us be generous because generosity increases my happiness. Acts 20, 35, the latter part of that verse said, The Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. There's a blessing that comes on us when we give as unto the Lord. Hallelujah. And then number nine, generosity expands my influence. Most people I've talked to, they want to have influence. They want their lives to matter. They want their lives to count for something. Do you know influence comes not from what you get in life. Influence comes from what you give away. Now that's biblical. Remember, famous is not the same as influence. You can be famous and not have any influence. And we see a lot of that. But Proverbs 11.21 tells us, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. Psalms 112.9 He has dispersed abroad, and he has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. In other words, when you've given that, that what you've done right in your name, it goes on and on forever. Not just here on earth with influence, but influence in heaven. And he says, your horn will be exalted with honor. Your influence will be lifted up with honor. God will lift it up when you live a life of generosity. Wow. The more you give, the more influence you have. Some people say, no, the more I have in my bank account, the more. No, no. You think that. But let me tell you what, some of the most beautiful people that you will find on this surface and some of the most rich, richest people that you find on the surface, when you really get to know them, they're really ugly. They're really ugly. And you don't want to be like them. 
And you don't want to even be associated with them because of that ugliness. The influence, it's there in a negative way, but not in righteousness in a positive way. And then number 10, generosity multiplies my money. Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. See, God has worked it out in His universe. Don't you, don't you know this is His universe? This is His world. This is, the life we live is, is a gift from Him, right? And He's worked it out in such a way that when I give 10% or more into His kingdom, He causes the 90% to go further than the 100% would go. How in the world can that happen unless it's a miracle? Well, let me tell you what. For 30 plus years of serving the Lord, I guarantee you from life experience that miracle takes place every day and God wants to work that miracle in and through your life. The Bible teaches us the law of reciprocity. It says that if you will give, it's going to come back to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. But you must give with a generous heart. You must give as a, being a reflection of the character of God in your life. It's not, it's not trying to work a stock that is going to increase and you can cash out on. It's not a get-quick-rich scheme. That's not what it is. God's Word, you have to take God's Word as the whole Word. And here God for 2,100 plus scriptures talks about generosity and a heart to give in the expansion of his kingdom. And all of that is part of the foundation of the law of reciprocity. So we're being generous because we love. And when you love, love gives. And that's why we do it because we love God and we love God's people. We love God's kingdom. And that's why we give and we give it as unto the Lord. And just the miracle of it, God's going to multiply it back to you. Because he's trusted you with small, now he can give you even more. Hallelujah. And then we see uh, 11, generosity brings God's protection. Yes, it does. Psalms 112, verse 5 and 6 says, Life is good for the one who is generous and charitable. Life is good. Come on, say, life is good. Life is good for the one who is generous and charitable, conducting affairs with honesty and truth. Their circumstances will never shake them and others will never forget their example. So there's that influence again, their example there. But it, if you look at the Hebrew here, it says that when they're shaken, they will not be destroyed. So it's like the house that's built on the rock and the house that's built on the sand. We all in this life have to undergo some storms. That storms come and try to shake us, but if you're built on the foundation of generosity... The Bible says here that when that shaking comes, you will not be destroyed. You won't be like the house built on the sand that will be destroyed. Wow. Thank God for the protection that comes from the Spirit of God in, re in, in response to generosity. And then finally, and we wrap it up with this, generosity will be rewarded in heaven. Generosity will be rewarded in heaven. In heaven, Look at what Paul says again in 1 Timothy 6, 18 and 19. He said, Remind the wealthy to be rich in good works and extravagant generosity, willing to share with others. This will provide a beautiful foundation for their lives and secure for them a great future as they lay their hands upon the meaning of true life. You cannot buy salvation. You cannot buy your way into heaven. But the Bible says if your heart has truly been born again 
and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, surrendering all to Him, and now wanting to be a reflection of Him as His body here on earth, that from the love of God that has transformed, transposed and, 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 and renewed your life, that's now going to flow through you and the love of God is going to touch the people around you. So he's basically saying, when we're given resources, use them for good. I would say, use your money to do good. Use money to, if you use money and love people rather than love money and use people. Man, when you love money... You want to use people to get everything you can out of them. That's ugly. That reflects the very heart of Satan himself. I'm using you. I'm manipulating you to try and get me more money. Get me more. I'll tell you a half truth to try and get more money. Oh, that is not the character of God. That is not the heart of God. Love people and use money to do good. Because money is neither good or bad. It's neutral whether it's a euro, a dollar, or, or you know, a lay, or whatever it is, it's neutral. It's the love of it that's bad. Isn't that what Paul says? He said the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money, it's the love of it. Love people, use money. Don't love money and use people. You can't take it with you. They do not put a trailer hitch on a hearse. You've never seen a hearse, I pray you haven't, going down the road with a U-Haul behind it because nobody can take it with them. But listen here, according to the Word of God, you can send it ahead. You can send it ahead. Four times Jesus said, store up treasure in heaven. Four times Jesus said that. Store up treasures in heaven. How do you bank in heaven? By investing in people who are going there. By investing in people who are going there. Luke 16, 9 again. It is important that you use the wealth of the world to demonstrate your friendship with God by winning and blessing others. Then when this world fails and falls. It didn't say if the world fails and falls. When? This system that we're in now is going to fail. When it falls apart, your generosity will provide you with an eternal reward. Those treasures in heaven that you have stored up. So as we wrap things up, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you answer this final question. Ask yourself, is anybody going to be in heaven because of the way I've used my money? Is anybody going to be in heaven because of the way I've used my money? That's a good question to ask yourself. One thing I love about God saying bring that, that wealth into a storehouse because he gives the storehouse wisdom in working with other storehouses to find the real needs in the community and the world and to filter out the scam artists. Did you know they're scam artists? And they'll go and take advantage of churches. They'll take advantage of Christians. They'll take advantage of this nature of generosity. And if you've ever been burnt by that, your temptation is to overreact and say, never again, never again. But the good news, God has given us the wisdom of his house. He said, bring it into the storehouse. And we've got a network where we identify in most the scammers that are in the area and in the world. And we filter that out and we make sure we can get 100% to the real need. And no one is taking advantage of that. 
And that's the security and safety while we can have all these flags hanging up and we can have missionaries and we can be feeding orphans and we can be taking care of widows and we can be providing education for kids that have no, uh, those orphans that have no parents and we can be able to keep those missionaries on the field, sharing the gospel. We are storing up our treasures in heaven. And as we not only do it for every flag that is represented here, we do it in our community, we do it in our state, we do it in our nation as well. We are called to be used by God to make this world a better place. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. So is anybody going to be in heaven because of the way I've used my money? That's a question that you need to answer honestly. And if you need to make any adjustments or changes in this season of generosity, which is also being bombarded by a spirit of commercialism, you can have your eyes opened and make the correct choices as you go forward to finish up this year and to step into this beautiful 2018 that God has for us. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Father God, we stand together with you here at the close of this part of the service, Lord. And Lord, as we pray and, we, and our ushers are having this opportunity during our prayer to move over and get the elements of your Lord's table ready, as they're moving to prepare that for us, Lord God. There's another thing we need to take care of preparation in our own lives now. Lord God, you said that you so loved us that you gave your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, and that anyone who believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, there may be somebody here today or someone tuning in who has never surrendered their heart and life to you. Or maybe they did in part and pulled it back. Maybe they've been burned or hurt by the semblance of what looked Christian, but really and truly it was the enemy, a wolf in sheep's clothing that has caused them to step back. But here on this Sunday, they realize that you, God, are a good God. You are the source of life. You are the source of health. You are the source of strength. You are the source of my future and my eternal future. And I need you, God, in my heart and life. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you have and you've turned a back on Him, I would encourage you right now, to with me in this prayer say Jesus just come into my heart forgive me of my sins Jesus I open my heart to you I receive the generosity of heaven on earth I receive you Jesus I receive the work you did on the cross for me I receive the blood that you shed to wash my sins away I receive your body that took stripes upon it for my healing and my wholeness of mind and body I receive you into my heart Jesus to be my Lord and Savior to be my Lord, I surrender to you. Just tell Him, Lord, I surrender my life. I surrender my heart. I surrender to you. For me to live going forward is to serve you, Jesus. To bring honor to you, Jesus. I declare your Lordship over my life. Because I believe, just tell Him, I believe that God has raised you from the dead. You are alive. Now come live in my heart in and through my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.